Welcome to Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And uh, we have a very special guest talking about a very special project today. Uh, we have Dr. Krista Harper, an anthropologist, a professor at the University of Massachusetts, and also a principal investigator for the project we're going to be talking about, um, and of which is part of the Energy Transition Institute. We're going to talk about an incredible grant that we got to do incredible work. Dr. Harper, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me here. So, first of all, what is the Energy Transition Institute? So, the Energy Transition Institute is an interdisciplinary research center at UMass that is focused on enabling a fast and fair transition to a decarbonized energy system. We need to stop burning fossil fuels and the ETI has engineers, scientists, climate scientists, social scientists who are working on figuring out how to do that in a way that benefits everybody and, um, and gets rid of the fossil fuels while bringing in some of the advantages of the new renewable energy system um, to communities all around. Sounds like it's looking for exactly the answers that so many of us are looking I, I I have immediately, Professor, I have a remedial question. Yes. Um, don't we know the answer to this? Stop burning fossil fuels, use alternative energy? What's this, What's the, what am I missing? Yes. So you're right. Uh, climate change is here and it's scary, uh, but we're not doomed because one of the things that we need to do, the most important thing is to stop burning fossil fuels. And the good news is, is that we have a lot of renewable energy technologies that are already, uh, you know, plug and play, ready to put into, uh, ready to put into the system. But we also need uh, people's buildings and houses and transportation to be ready for electrifying everything with renewable energy. Um, so moving on from fossil fuels is uh, is going to be a tremendous. Uh, social and technological change. Um, and, uh, you know, Massachusetts passed the 2021 climate law to cut carbon emissions by no less than 50 percent by 2030 on the way to a net zero energy system in 2050. So that target is coming up fast. Um, and we need to figure out how to do that in a way so that it's not massively socially disruptive. So, Professor Krista Harper, you are a cultural anthropologist, and um, you are the principal investigator. And there is a project that's being funded by the Environmental Protection Agency involving our beloved community of Holyoke. So could you tell us about the Holyoke Community Energy Project? Yes, the Holyoke Community Energy Project is... Uh, a project uh, that is that I'm leading that is uh, it received 1.1 million dollars in funding for a four-year um, project uh, in Holyoke that is going to be on energy transitions in underserved communities. And uh, our team from the UMass Energy Transition Institute is going to be collaborating with community organizations, including Neighbor to Neighbor Holyoke and One Holyoke CDC and other organizations. Community Development Corporation. Yes, Community Development Corporation, to, um, to study how to meet the challenge of making New England's housing stock clean, green, and efficient. And if you live in an old New England house like I do, that is a challenge where on the one house level, it can make you want to rip out your hair and move to Florida. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look what's happened to me. Right. But, but I, I just want to backtrack yes. just a little bit. Uh, we all know that um, Holyoke is underserved in so many different ways, but you're talking about a context here involving energy. Well, why, why do you call it an underserved community? Well, that's actually, um, that is the language of the Environmental Protection Agency's um, research program. It is on drivers and environmental impacts of energy transitions in underserved communities. But I actually want to pivot away from that um, and talk about how Holyoke is actually a great place to study energy issues for so many reasons, and that it's really important not to see uh, the community in Holyoke in terms of uh, you know, energy, uh, uh, energy deficits. But what has happened there is a great history for um, launching work on energy. Because Holyoke was, uh, you know, a 19th century energy innovator with the hydropower dam and the canal system, which is amazing. And it was built by Irish and French Canadian immigrants. And it also has a rich history of environmental justice activism, some folks out there might remember the 1980s mobilization against the proposed Herco incinerator. So that's a that that is an energy system uh, kind of activism. And then more recently, the 2010s campaign to close the coal-fired power plant at Mount Tom. So tell us this, if you w- if you would please, uh, what is it that you're actually going to study? Yes. What's I I understand the answer you're looking for, but what's the question? And, and I just, along with Bill's question, you are a cultural anthropologist. Yes. I know you do ethnographic stuff, you, you people. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, I usually think of cultural anthropologists not involved in this sort of a project where we're trying to find alternatives to fossil fuel use in an in a, uh, underserved community. So if you can answer Bill's question and also answer that one, I'd love it. Uh, yes, Sure. Um, Well, to answer Bill's question, um, we are going to be studying how to, uh, what are the challenges that people are facing already with um, energy, um, energy burdens, energy costs, houses that are uncomfortable or have black mold, things like that. How can we take the existing housing stock and make it, like I said, clean, green, and efficient in a way that everybody benefits? Right now, the big problem, like the global problem uh, for this project, is that about a third of greenhouse gas emissions come from buildings. Our heating, cooling, and appliances for cooking and cleaning, those are a huge chunk of our, um, our greenhouse gas emissions. So the path to a low-carbon future goes straight through our homes. And that means that the energy transition is going to touch people's everyday lives in all sorts of ways. So let me interrupt. Are you, are you are you talking about insulating homes, which we've, we've talked about a fair amount on the show? Are you talking about conversion from oil to electric? What's what's the secret sauce here? Yes, those are all parts of the secret sauce. In the big picture, it's going to mean electrifying everything, promoting energy efficiency, deploying renewable energy, and having enough storage so that there's reliability. Um, and a low-carbon home is going to have things probably like rooftop solar, highly efficient heat pumps for heating and cooling, energy-efficient electric appliances, and batteries so that the lights never go out. And there may also be solutions and technologies that we need to develop to make it 
you know, even better or to smooth out problems that people have as we move into this low-carbon economy. Now, the problem is a lot of the policies that we currently have promoting low-carbon homes are aimed at relatively affluent single-family homeowners. And that makes sense in some ways because individual houses need to be upgraded. But a lot of people rent their homes or live in multifamily apartments. And so one of the questions that we are asking is how do we make sure that the benefits of the energy transition reach everyone? Wow. You sound like a scientist as opposed to a social scientist. So <laughs> I just want to get back to my impression of what a cultural anthropologist looks at. How is this sort of uh, connection of uh, energy and science and equity and uh, marginalized communities, how does that fall within your wheelhouse? Yes. Well, like I said, uh, if the energy transition is going straight through people's homes, um, that's going to affect their everyday lives. And what cultural anthropologists study is, uh, you know, we listen to people and we basically uh, systematically observe and tag along with people so that we understand how they make sense of their daily lives, what are their routines, what are their cultural values and histories that they use to make sense of the world. And with big changes like the energy system transition, people are going to be needing to make sense of this massive social and technological change. And that's where cultural anthropology can come in and help. The other thing that is a strength of cultural anthropology that makes it uh, really fun to be bringing together uh, uh, cultural anthropologists and engineers and climate scientists and others, public health researchers, my colleagues at UMass, um, with community members, is that cultural anthropologists tend to always be working uh, on the ground in a community. And this project, our model is not to be developing energy technologies and then plunking them down uh, in Holyoke. We are doing community-based research, and the vision is that uh, we are going to be talking about energy challenges and um, issues with people so that we can deliver and develop and co-design solutions alongside uh, community members so that uh, the research is relevant and the technologies pay attention to people's needs and desires. It seems to me that the, an underlying issue here is empowerment, because you just identified for us, uh, Professor Krista Harper, that many of the buildings in Holyoke are not single-family homes. We, we have a lot of various energy uh, initiatives in that regard, but they are multi-unit buildings where people rent. Mm -hmm. renters can't determine what the owners are going to do about solar on the rooftops or better insulation or all these other things. So how do people who don't have the power somehow get it in order to make these changes? This is, this is exactly a question that we are going to be exploring. And one of the ways that we're going to be doing that is um, getting Holyokers involved in creating knowledge about their experience of the energy transition um, as you mentioned, a lot of people rent their homes. In Holyoke, uh, two-thirds uh, of the people who live there are renters and often in multi-unit housing. So the kinds of solutions that are going to work for 
transitioning the energy transition, uh, transitioning the energy system there and making people's housing more efficient are going to need to take that into account. And it may also push us towards the need for solutions that are not based on the model of the individual house, but more community-based solutions. Um, it also means that since they aren't going to be necessarily, people aren't necessarily going to be fixing out up their own individual house, uh, it means there needs to be a lot more civic attention, you know, people paying attention to energy in their community. And that's why we're launching um, through this uh, community, uh, Holyoke Community Energy Project, we're launching the new Energy Justice Leaders Program. Um, in collaboration with Neighbor to Neighbor Holyoke and One Holyoke CDC. And what the Energy Justice Leaders Program means is that community members are going to join us for a series of monthly workshops where we're going to be co-designing energy solutions that respond to Holyoke residents' energy needs, that center community voices, and that seek to repair environmental injustices, like the history of environmental justices that we talked about a few minutes ago. Other than the Neighbor to Neighbor project and, and the uh, involving folks in the community, um, are there others other than you, uh, Krista Harper, who are, um, who are involved with the delivery of services and uh, aspirations that are involved in this uh, Holyoke Community Energy Project? Other people from UMass, other, other colleagues of yours? Oh, yes. So we have a fabulous team from UMass and um, a team that's really committed to doing research in a way that's in dialogue with um, community members. Um, we have uh, Professor Raphael Arcou from Public Health, who is going to be helping us understand what people's indoor and outdoor air quality is like and how uh, shifting over to uh, away from fossil fuels to uh, electricity is going to uh, affect uh, people's uh, air quality. We have my colleague Nick Caverly, who is an anthropologist who is an expert on housing demolitions. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I'm relying on him for a lot of, uh, of expertise. We have folks from regional planning like Camille Barchers, uh, who uh, studies urban infrastructure systems uh, at a level at a more of a systems level, and my colleague Joseph Krupchinski, who has been an expert on doing community-based design in Holyoke uh, with Latine communities. Um, we're going to be having bilingual workshops, and um, and he, I don't know what I would do without him. And we have this expanded team at. The, um, the Energy Transition Institute, including Aaron Baker, who's the director and who is an engineer. And whenever I uh, hit the wall as a cultural anthropologist, Aaron Baker is the first person I ask. <laughs> and, uh, we have, and, and the team, actually, we have a lot more specialists uh, from UMass. But what is the secret sauce, as Bill said, is that our vision is bringing together these specialists not to be, you know, uh, the experts on the the energy transition, but to be collaborating and listening to people who are living through the energy uh, transition in their own context and figuring out how to do that so that it improves people's lives because it really can improve people's lives. Um, you know, there is th thinking about getting 
you know, replacing our entire energy system is a pretty scary thought. But uh, even without climate change, the fossil fuel system is dirty. It needs to change. Nine million people a year uh, globally uh, die from pollution due to fossil fuels, about 100,000 a year in the United States alone. And so moving on from fossil fuels will not only lower greenhouse gas emissions that cause climate change, but it's also going to be cleaner skies and a healthier environment and quieter streets. There are a lot of benefits, potentially, if we upgrade our systems, upgrade people's houses, and bringing in a perspective that pays attention to people's need to redress environmental injustices that they have experienced and to have a more hopeful vision of where the energy transition can take us, that's what this project is about. There's hope in the air. We're talking to Dr. Krista Harper uh, of the Energy Transition Institute, particularly about the Holyoke Community Energy Project, which has just received a $1.1 million grant from the EPA to engage folks in Holyoke community with the specialists, this distinguished panel. We'll be right back. Boys and girls onto the beaches. Come on, come on, tell you my secrets. I'm kinda like a prettier Jesus. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. Krista Harper, who is um, merging the needs of the community in Holyoke with the science necessary and the, well, the uh, uh, EPA grant, which is going to allow uh, the, the uh, forgive me, the Holyoke Community Energy Project is what it's called, to uh, engage community members in making their own communities um, more immune to the harsh effects of climate change. Bill, you had a question. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Professor Krista Harper, my understanding is that the air pollution in Holyoke, and it is substantial, Springfield uh, and Holyoke close by being the asthma capitals of Massachusetts and the country in some ways, um, that that pollution doesn't come from Holyoke. That pollution comes up the valley from New York City and the environment. And so even if you improve the air quality by having less fossil fuels burned in and around Holyoke, how is that actually going to help the people of Holyoke? Well, you're absolutely correct that the, uh, that the pollution that people suffer from here in the Valley is not entirely caused by uh, fossil fuels or industries that are operating here in the Connecticut River Valley. We get a lot of pollution from other places as well. That's true. Um, what, uh, what, uh, what we can say is that as the entire energy system, uh, gets transitioned in, 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 um, uh, in the Northeast as a, as a region, in North America as a really big region, then, uh, air quality is going to improve. And also as people make improvements in their housing, there's a possibility that the, uh, that the air quality is going to improve as well. If you're not running a diesel oil burner in your basement or uh, have a, a gas pilot light on uh, all the time on your stove, 
those will probably make some improvements in your indoor air quality. But in terms of the global picture, yes, the the uh, you know the global picture for, for pollution uh, is that we you know we receive flumes of pollution from places that are pretty far away, and um, and so tackling uh, you know air quality and uh, pollution and burning fossil fuels at uh, system wide level is and and New York uh, New York State and Massachusetts, the many of the states in the Northeast are starting to put into place some really um, uh, some ambitious targets for reducing greenhouse gas emissions and pollution, and so um, so that's cause for hope. Cause for hope indeed, yeah. uh, Professor Harper. When I first learned of your project, I learned of the Energy Transition. Institute, which I have to admit I was ignorant of until I actually read about it. I came onto your website and I saw immediately application deadline February 22nd, 2024. And when I asked you about that, you said the deadline is February 25th of 2024. The banner has under it, become an energy justice leader. What is the deadline for? The deadline is to apply on, the deadline is uh, uh, February 25th, uh, Sunday night, get, uh, get your application in. Uh, it's to become an energy justice leader, and that is joining our program to participate in monthly workshops with the team from the uh, Energy Transition Institute and uh, community members from Holyoke to talk about um uh, uh, the energy system, energy problems, and also energy solutions. Um, to join the program, you need to be a Holyoke resident who is over 18 years old and with a household income of under $100,000 a year. And folks can apply uh, to the program from the Holyoke Community Energy Project website. You can just Google the Holyoke Community Energy Project and it will bring you to uh, that landing page. And again, the application deadline is uh, the 25th of February. Um, and what are the energy justice leaders going to do at these workshops? It's going to be very exciting stuff. We're going to have discussions to learn about people's energy challenges at home. Um, we want to start with people, uh, people's experience and meeting people where they're at and what are the things that are the closest to home for them. But we're also interested in working with people at community level uh, 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 energy solutions and discussions of the energy system. So we're going to be co-designing a solar-powered community fridge for the Dwight Street Urban Garden um, with my colleague Steve Fernandez from, uh, from uh, UMass and learning together about solar power and battery storage in the process. So we have hands-on activities. Um, we're going to do air quality and energy efficiency monitoring in people's homes. And we're planning an energy and environmental justice tour for Doors Open Holyoke in October so that the energy justice leaders can uh, learn and teach us about the past, present, and future of energy in Holyoke. How much is the grant for? What's the application? If, if I were a Holyoke resident and otherwise uh, 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 were eligible for it, I'm applying for how much money to do what specifically? So uh, participants in the Energy Justice Leaders Program uh, will receive a stipend for attending the workshops. So $50 for uh, coming to the two-hour workshops. So that is a stipend of about $400 a year. 
for attending all of the workshops. And they will also receive a uh, meals during the workshops. We have childcare and uh, Spanish translation available. And, um, and uh, there will be further opportunities to participate um, as members of the research team and receive a stipend for that after the completion of the program. And people will get a certificate for completing the program as well. And so I think that people are really going to, uh, in addition to that, build their capacity for learning about the energy system and, uh, you know, civic engagement, um, uh, learning how to uh, uh, make decisions and, um, and inform people in their community about uh, changes in the energy system. But changes in the energy system are going to cost homeowners money or renters money. And so eventually, how does this actually result in actual change on the ground? Right. Well, there's, there, at, the, at the state and federal level, there are a lot of policies all of a sudden that are um, offering grants and funding for people to upgrade their houses, for people to get electric vehicles, for cities to get electric school buses. There's a lot of there's a lot of information and a lot of funding out there, but it's very hard for uh, community members and for cities that are already cash-strapped, like Holyoke, to access those funds. And so our hope is that uh, through having the Energy Justice Leaders Program, we can, uh, we can be better positioned for Holyoke to attract some of that funding and some of that support to uh, power the energy transition for Holyoke. But also for, um, you know, one of the concerns that people have in, uh, in Holyoke uh, when I've talked to them about, especially to renters, is that uh, they're worried that making the upgrades to the buildings could cause them to, they ca could cause the rents to go up, could cause them to be priced out. And uh, what we are wanting is an energy transition where everybody benefits and people don't get displaced by the upgrades that um, that happen. Instead, they all share the benefits. So finally, if people want to find out more about either the deadline to become an energy justice leader or they want to support your program, your project, how do they get in touch with you or the Energy Transition Institute? You can look up Holyoke Community Energy Project on the Internet, and it will take you to our landing page, or you can contact me at uh, communityenergy at umass.edu. Thank you so much, Krista Harper. Uh, it's really fascinating and it's really important work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on. We're going to be right back. We're going to be talking to a group in Amherst that wants a ceasefire. We'll be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.